Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Bet Online and Indeed. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Road of His, one of the, the best minds in the fantasy football industry. Sean, uh, week 13 in the book, some some very, very interesting games again. It's been a fascinating season uh, in so many different regards, but uh, some, some big performances by players that were hoping to have those big performances this past week, but also some big performances players who maybe uh, slide under the radar from time to time we're going to be talking about one of those guys in just a moment we're also going to talk in the second half of today's show a little bit uh, looking into sean's crystal ball for his 2021 dynasty and redraft uh, kind of first round landscape and we're gonna we're gonna look a little bit into that but sean uh, how, how are you doing this week how, how did week 13 player i know that we're recording this on on tuesday still one game left to left we played out with the way that the the schedule has worked this week but uh, most of my games uh, of the past week pretty pretty much done and dusted have you any hanging in the balance as we get to as we get to tuesday night football i do there it's a big game for curtis and me as we look to try and nail down that ffpc main event title we had it, it was a back and forth Sunday and then ended up in that last game with Noah Fant trying to, to catch us up and get to the tie. And he did that at halftime, but then was shut out in the second half, which was disappointing. Uh, Stefan Diggs, 19 points last night, give us a 19 point lead with Dalton Schultz going against us today. So you, you like that situation, but obviously those tight ends can get in. For some touchdowns, they get the premium scoring in this format. So uh, there's a, a decent amount of anxiety and stress. Looking forward to that one. It was a, an interesting week. I, I think that, you know, you talked about how this season and, and the recent past that we've witnessed a lot of fantasy results that maybe we weren't expecting or just there is quite a bit of difference week to week. I just looking at a couple of the teams, you know, we talked a little bit on the show and I was on with Pat and Pete and Ben on ship chasing last week. Our team had scored, you know, 219 points to get into the FPC finals. Uh, that team did crash and burn in the finals. By contrast, I was looking at the league that Blair and I are in, in the main event. And I just share a little congrats with my co-owner there, Blair and I, our zero running back team where we didn't draft a running back until the double digit rounds. It did take down its FPC main event title this weekend. So there's a lot of excitement there in terms of contrasts, the team that we defeated in the semifinals, I think scored 106 points last week. That makes it a little bit easier to move on. That team has 190 points with three players still to go in its third place so it shows you how i think especially in 2020 we're not necessarily getting massive consistent weeks from the same guys 
Injuries to quarterbacks have limited some wide receivers. Injuries to quarterbacks have taken down entire offenses, thinking about Ezekiel Elliott, still to go. They've reshaped offenses, thinking about how Alvin Kamara now plays in that Saints offense. So even some offenses you know, like there in New Orleans, where Taysom Hill has come in and done a nice job. They're undefeated during his stretch. He's scoring points, uh, and he's even gotten some great targets out there to Michael Thomas. But it changes an offense. And so you know we talk so much about running backs needing that receiving share and you know you don't necessarily get the same thing with with different quarterbacks and you know even then you know you feel very bad for antonio gibson owners who you know if they were in a similar situation needed a couple points down the stretch to win their title and then he goes out at the very beginning of the game you know that's just heartbreaking you do see what the sort of knock-on effects there where jd mckissick then goes out and has a monster game again the type we saw from him a month ago or so before gibson really took over so you know week to week we've got to be aware of what's going on you know who's benefiting who's emerging and one of the articles that i like to look at for that is zachary kruger here with the wide receiver deep dive we're going to talk a little bit about a few of the wide receivers that really made their mark in week 13 yeah and you mentioned there uh, antonio gibson obviously disappointing for his owners but uh, i don't I, I don't think it was the team along with yourself sean but uh, curtis uh, had up on twitter that he had started uh, antonio gibson ahead of darren waller in one of his leagues uh, this past week that wasn't a co-own team i assume no no it was not uh, that it's pretty uh, now in terms of uh, point swings i don't think they get much bigger than that one with uh, darn waller's uh, monster performance this past week but you mentioned uh, zachary kruger's uh, wide receiver deep dive and you know when you look through it there's a there's a lot of names in it that you would kind of expect and then there's names that are creeping into it um that you probably wouldn't expect to be uh, leading the way um particularly i guess this late in the season um deandre hopkins is in it the one thing would stand out for me big time with hopkins and his offense at the minute the way that the cardinals are, are playing he, he's you know monster targets here 35 percent uh of the team's targets but his yards per target is only four uh yards per target which is you know it's very it's, it's very hard to build those targets in without getting into the end zone so he had 13 targets this past week but Corey davis another big week for him he's had a couple of big weeks this season 12 targets 11 receptions 182 yards and a touchdown for him at 29 percent for the team Devontae adams another big week uh, continues to to be very very consistent we might touch on him uh, in the second half of the show Deontay johnson with a strong performance somebody who's been so strong this off or this season and just gets stronger and stronger and we've talked about him multiple times that's justin jefferson another big week from him the first name probably creeping in here that uh or the second name sorry Corey davis probably the first name we might not have expected but marvin jones uh, coming in there and uh, cole beasley coming in on the list nelson Aguilar coming in uh, ty helton who i went up against in, in three different leagues this week and i, I thought ty helton was uh, completely finished uh, having his biggest week of the season th- this week uh, cam sims of washington coming into the list kiki cootie coming in obviously with will fuller uh, missing out for the houston uh, texans so a lot of interesting names there sean what was some of the key takeaways uh, that you you took out of it this week from the, the deep dive yeah well, we saw that aj brown was pretty limited he had been struggling with injuries going into the game he fell on one of his targets and or one of his routes where he was going to be the target turned his ankle again there early in that one he made a couple of big catches also dropped what would have been a 40 yard reception so that's uh, of concern for uh, any aj brown owner who 
maybe is in a very close fight with the last game to go. But Davis really emerging at different stretches this year. We've seen what the Titans and Ryan Tannehill can do when they need to. It's fun to watch this offense air the ball out. Derrick Henry, obviously, in that mix, the top two or three, you know, best pure runners in the NFL, I think right there with Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb. You can't criticize the Titans for using a weapon like that. But Davis's emergence here, you know, it's it's completely rehabilitated his career. And so owners who held on there in Dynasty, I think they have an asset now that's going to be valuable the next three to four years in an offense that passes, that has competent quarterback play. And sometimes it just takes people a little bit longer, even top 10 picks like Davis, to see him go off here, catch 11 of his 12 passes, 182 yards, now that's a monster performance. It's interesting to see the Deontay Johnson line there with 12 targets, eight receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. To have caught eight out of 12 when he had at least three drops, <laughs> it shows that Ben Roethlisberger put the passes on him in that game, gave him the chances. Marvin Jones jumps out because he's a guy, it's going to be very hit and miss even when the other players are out, but sometimes when the Lions get down to where he's the only real option and are trailing they'll actually let him go matthew stafford will air the ball out the thing that pops out here is that among receivers in this you know 9 to 13 target range he led with 234 air yards turned that into a big performance you contrast that with nelson aguilar who you mentioned he had 215 air yards which comes in second here only turned that into 38 actual yards the contrast there stands out also the contrast with kiki kuti who had that nine target, eight reception, 141 yard game. Monty Fon talked about him in high staked. Sam Wallace had a cool write up in the Blitz on Kuti. He actually had more receiving yards than air yards there, some good run after the catch. He's had a good rapport with Deshaun Watson when he's been allowed to play, considering how mediocre so many of the non Will Fuller receivers have looked on this team it really makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes there. Now, you know, this is just one game and we also saw Chad Hansen actually look very good for the Texans in this one. We know a lot of this is merely the Watson wizardry, but he's a guy where if you picked him up last week, you're going to be interested in playing him now in the fantasy playoffs. One last name before we go on, Brandon Ayuk only caught five of his nine targets, but turned those into 95 yards and a touchdown he looked quick on the punt return just an electric rookie he's another guy who's going to be in that mix of players to go very early or should go very early in 2021 even going early is likely to be a value someone where if you picked him up in dynasty i think you're very excited for what the next five or six years hold yeah really really excited to see what he did um had 23 percent uh of the market share targets in this one but over the last four games uh, which have been interrupted obviously by different uh, situations but 28.6 percent of the targets over those four games uh, and averaging 20.2 ppr points over those uh, four games as well so things looking looking really good and it was good to see him still get that uh, work when Debo Samuel was in there as well a lot of the time this season it's been one or the other on the field they haven't both been on the field too often so good to see him maintain that share then uh, we're going to look a little bit now at the the week 13 expected points recap the the one that I really wanted to, to slot into this is Tim Patrick and 
He's somebody who, you know, we talk about Cortland Sutton, we talk about Jerry Judy, the, the forgotten man. Uh, you've even mentioned on the show so far, uh, Noah Fant, the, the forgotten man up there seems to be Tim Patrick. Uh, another solid week for him uh, this week, and he continues to be pretty efficient, um, you know, throughout the season. A couple of games under uh, expected points, but pretty solid throughout the season so far. Has finished um, as wide receiver one uh, on two occasions, which would work out at 18%, uh, wide receiver two on two occasions, and then uh, in double digits three other times. So there's actually only been four games this season where he's played that he has uh, finished below the 10 point marker. So pretty, pretty solid overall, 11 games with uh, 11.9 PPR points per game, Sean. Tim Patrick uh, deserving of a little bit of love, I think, uh, with how he's done this season so far. Definitely. And you always have to to look and, and try and figure out what the situation is here. Obviously, that Denver passing attack has been fairly limited, even when Drew Locke is the quarterback. When we're trying to decide what Jerry Judy looks like and, and his play compared to someone like Brandon Ayuk has been very disappointing. He's limited with some injuries. The same thing has been true to an extent with KJ Hamler, someone that we really like, who has that electric big play ability and it's easy to write off the denver passing attack and say just you know look to next season but you put that within the context of tim patrick playing well zachary pointed out here that he was fifth in fantasy points over expectation this particular week it's his second huge game he's had from that perspective he's even had a zero which again shows you how uh, difficult it has been to play the quarterback situation there with the broncos only completing the one pass the previous week but he's looked good. And I think when you get this kind of result in a situation where you weren't expecting it and the environment is not positive, you have to really appreciate that even more. So you've got this guy, six foot four, 212 pounds. He may not be a star, but NFL teams need this guy kind of player. So I think Patrick is definitely someone you want to hold on your roster there. You know, one of those last spots on your dynasty team. Even if you're not necessarily going to play him that often, you want to see what he potentially emerges into. A couple of the names on the leaderboard for fantasy points over expectation this week column. We have obviously Corey Davis, Henry Ruggs with the big score at the end of the game that got uh, Greg Williams fired, Donovan Peoples-Jones with the long touchdown. A little bit of broken coverage there, but Baker Mayfield actually having a breakout game. Uh, quite a bit into his season, into his career. Uh, the Browns having a fantastic season, really despite his play to this point. They've got to be ecstatic to see him have this type of game because now I think you've got to be more excited about the potential to actually do damage in the playoffs if you're a Browns fan. Justin Jefferson again like he is very weak. Quintus Cephas, someone the Lions wanted to see what they had in. And then some names like Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown. But LaVisca Chanel also showing up on the list with maybe the most humorous highlight of the week. <laughs> Mike Lennon misses DJ Chark you know, by a country mile, bounces off a defender, uh, two Chanel's in the end zone, which was nice to get because then Chanel did uh have a limited second half role again with the injuries that he has continued to have hopefully it won't be such a thing as we go forward his last college season wrecked by injuries he hasn't been able to stay on the field very well uh this season but at least he had uh that comic play for a little bit of relief in week 13 
2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be at their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total views than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts and now indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making indeed the only site that can move as fast as you do Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing as we get ready for the playoff picture to come into full focus. You might not be at any games this year, but you can certainly still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to win than anywhere else, and you can still get in on their great bonuses for opening your account. You can do that right now today by using the code bluewire at betonline.ag that is the code bluewire all one word head on over to betonline today and take advantage of those great sign up bonuses betonline your online sportsbook experts i'm dave cabin host of the rotoviz fantasy football podcast i wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting rotoviz radio we love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them as a thank you, loyal podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one-year Rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. So Sean, moving into the second half of the show, I teased it earlier, we're going to have a little bit of a look through some of your thoughts for uh, kind of the landscape of Dynasty and Redraft in 2021. Obviously, I would urge all the listeners to head on over, I've linked this article in the description of the show, I would head on over and have a look down through it, but it's uh, one that I've enjoyed. Sometimes it's kind of good, it helps you take kind of stock of how the season has fully progressed, because you know, if you're looking at your own rosters and you've your say if your your teams are going well and the players around you are going well, sometimes you kind of forget about those players and those first couple of rounds where there was those misses, either by you or by somebody else. But uh, they kind of almost get erased from your memory at this point of the season. You know, as we've developed and we've moved throughout the season, adjusted those teams accordingly. But um, that was one of the things that I enjoyed is looking back through just those first two rounds uh, of where those players landed and, you know, just how heavy uh, in terms of the running back position, the dynasty startups this year were pretty much entirely running back based throughout those first um, pretty pretty much 12 picks just one wide receiver going in that range and it was Michael Thomas uh, so just such a such a change 
um around that uh, heading into this season and then redraft very very similar uh this is ffpc format so it'll be tight end premium but michael thomas Devontae adams and travis kelsey the only three non-running backs in those top 12 uh, picks this year so looking into 2021 um this the first one sean i'm I, I don't know how long it took you to make this decision but uh redraft projected pick and should be picked so if you're reading the article you'll see there is a projected pick and then sean has given who he thinks it should be uh, for dynasty and redraft all four selections are the same as christian mccaffrey i'm sure this one was a, a very quick a very quick part of the process it was it was and McCaffrey ends up number one despite the season he's had which has featured 30 point per game average on only a trio of games there you mentioned kind of looking back and I think that it's interesting to see just what who people were picking to start 2020 you know we've got these fantastic FFPC tools obviously you know you can look at that and say okay well you know these are just for high stakes or this is just this particular format the ffpc adp i think is very useful because with the two running back two wide receiver two flex format it's very neutral there's a lot of flexibility in terms of how you can play it it does tend to play fairly running back heavy because you could start up to four running backs if you wanted to but we also know at the same time that you you shouldn't want to right you really need to have the four wide receivers out there if you want to maximize total points and so the ffpc adp here you know gives us a feel i think of who drafters would want to play who they'd be going after if they could have any kind of roster construction they wanted anywhere from four running back to four wide receiver and like you mentioned very very running back heavy and somewhat disastrous i would say in terms of how (laughs) we start 2020 and you know that can be the case for running back heavy drafters it can be the case for balanced drafters you know even for wide receiver drafters because michael thomas as that guy in the first round you know hasn't had the season that we wanted i look at these results for dynasty and i see christian mccaffrey one barkley two elliot three camara four thomas five and cook six and that reminds me of the team that curtis patrick and i drafted in the pros versus joes where we ended up after a, a handful of trades having mccaffrey thomas and cook three of the top six guys were going to miss the playoffs which perhaps is not surprising when you have both McCaffrey and Thomas on that team Dalvin Cook has gotten us right to the edge but isn't going to get us in so even if you had three picks in the top six of your draft this year not only are you not dominating but you could miss the playoffs completely and then we go Joe Mixon Edwards Alaire Sanders Jacobs Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb basically all those guys are losing picks Right. And you're not necessarily just looking at 2020 in a dynasty startup. There's still hope for Edwards Alaire, uh, Jonathan Taylor with the breakout game this week, Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in football, even though he's missed some time and doesn't catch a lot of passes. But that first round, not setting the stage for a championship in this season. And when we look at the redraft results, they're very similar. Derrick Henry moves in there and redraft he's had a fine season but overall that first round not exactly getting it done and so that kind of lays the foundation for what i think that we should be doing going forward here i still think that there are going to be a number of running backs selected in the first round i think that antonio gibson is one of those guys who could move in and replace some of the trendy players from last year you have a miles sanders who's looking bad now you have a josh jacobs who has missed some games it appears he may miss again next week but even when he's been in there 
not quite the difference maker people were hoping, not quite the receiving threat people were hoping. I think Gibson could be the guy, but now that he's gone out of this week 13 game at the very beginning, it introduces some uncertainty there. DeAndre Swift, the other rookie running back, whom I think could end up in that group next season if he finishes strong, but he's now off of this stretch where he had the concussion. The news out of Detroit is that he's still fairly under the weather, which you know you, you hope that that's not concussion related. He cleared the protocol, but still missed the game last week. Colin, looking at the projections here, uh, starting with redraft, one of the fun things I kind of did in the article, or at least I was hoping it would be fun, would be to have this contrast between the way I think it's going to go and the way I would do it, but then also this contrast between redraft and dynasty. We do see a lot of the same top players in that first six before it uh, diverges a little bit when we get to the back half. When we're looking at redraft, how many running backs do you think are still going to go in that group? And do you have any uh, what might be considered dark horses? One of the things that I think is interesting is that when you're even when you're in December and you're seeing these big seasons people are having, you're not necessarily thinking, okay, well, this guy is going to be a first round pick next year. You're not necessarily thinking, okay, Swift is going to go in the first round, Gibson's going to go in the first round. But then when the season ends, you have the total numbers. Those guys have, you know, point per game results that pop then suddenly everything shifts and it solidifies the next season as those guys being kind of on that round one round two border do you think that those guys could be in that range or do you have your eye on somebody else see what i what i think will happen again sean it's kind of happens most years is people will want to have the comfort of having two kind of starting running backs or two what we'd class as kind of higher end tier running backs and we're going to see them get pushed up again i think in terms of redraft i think we'll see probably maybe another wide receiver sneak into that but i still think it'll be very heavy when it leads towards running backs and i think that'll present then the opportunity again to similar to what like we try and do most years is try and take advantage of that with taking those wide receivers and those rounds which will end up you know opening up a dead zone for the running backs to, to try and pile up on those wide receivers and i think like if we look through particularly in the dynasty side of things like if you go through all the picks in the first two rounds of, of running backs which is over half the picks in total probably the only one that's gained in value i would say is dalvin cook and the only one that's probably maintained value is going to be McCaffrey and Kamara um you know you could take Kamara's gain value but it's more that he's probably stayed the same and the guys above him and Elliot and Barkley have lost value based on injury and performance um the other guys then at the back end the whole second half of the that that first round have, have lost value and um it, you know I think it's going to be something similar though when it comes to redraft as people are going to push those those running backs up and I think we'll probably see three three wide receivers and one tight end again probably towards the back of that first round depending on how the tight ends finish off the season but like there's there's a lot of question marks around even those those first uh, two sets i think depending on how eckler finishes the season he could be somebody who continues to creep up towards the back uh, end or into the the first round and um, because he has in the games he's played showing enough whereas a lot of the guys that have gone ahead of him this year haven't really shown you know if we're looking at uh say mixon sanders has been injured quite a bit josh jacobs as you mentioned Kenyon drake have all gone ahead of him this year um aaron jones is somebody who really should be pushing up that list but we'll see what happens between him and the packers and you know any contract uh, talks over the next couple of months i think if he 
was to stay with the Packers, I think that would push him up uh, into the back end of that first round as well. But in terms of the running backs, it's just uh, what, what we've seen this year is there's a lot of those guys who really weren't thought of have really pushed themselves into um, you know the the top end of the scoring. Somebody like James Robinson could uh, get himself, I think, into that conversation if you're looking at a, a dark horse. But I don't even know if we can call him a dark horse now, based on what he's done throughout this season. Um, in terms of like championship winning rosters and uh, teams that have qualified for the fantasy playoffs, people who picked James Robinson up off waivers are a very very high percentage off those. I, I did see a figure during the week for FFPC waivers. I just I'm not going to. Get, say it now because i just can't think of it off the top of my head but there was a a large percentage of uh, the teams that picked him up off waivers at the very start of the season have, have actually made it all the way through uh to to those kind of final four teams in the playoffs. so i think he's probably the running back that's gonna to to kind of push himself all the way up you mentioned antonio gibson i think he'll he'll find himself probably uh, in that second third round discussion but uh robinson's probably the one that'll push himself close to the first round that's an interesting point, I think, there in that Robinson has been fantastic. I'll be really looking to see what the Jaguars do this offseason. We're anticipating a new coaching staff. We're anticipating potentially uh, changes to the front office. We're anticipating a rookie signal caller. You know, if you could get a Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert type of character there and no work put in at running back. Draft slot has the biggest predictive value for running backs in their second year. And so a guy like Gibson, who was drafted so clearly to be the guy there in Washington, DeAndre Swift, you know, similar in Detroit, those guys have an advantage. And one of the reasons why Clyde Edwards Alaire, even with how disappointing this season has been, you know, he's going to be this mild buy low going in next year the chiefs are going to be you know very motivated to show what they have in him that they weren't wrong about him when there are so many big time stars uh, still kind of developing behind him there at this point with acres also showing a little bit all of those guys who were supposed to be in there jonathan taylor with the big game acres with some impressive runs swift looking fantastic before the concussions jk dobbins emerging in baltimore all of those guys look like better picks right and they were all guys who should have gone ahead of edwards Alaire. the chiefs are going to want to prove that they were right you know he's going to be a main guy in a high scoring offense so you have these opportunities for the highly drafted players whereas someone like a robinson is going to continually have to hold off people due to the fact that he was undrafted now the jaguars did move to him very early they got rid of leonard fournette very quickly he's had a fantastic year Blair, in his article last week, the EP report, had some really cool stuff, sort of wondering if he was going to be more of a Zach Stacy type of player or more of an Arian Foster. I think if you look to Foster as uh, definitely the upside uh, result there, someone who went on to have a couple of running back one finishes, then you're looking at this possibility that Robinson should be up in that range. Now, a couple of other interesting names you mentioned aaron jones austin eckler both of those guys if they finish fast and i think they could they're very well positioned to smaller players but catch the ball big time athletes they get dinged i think unfortunately and and unfairly for being a little bit smaller and not giving credit for that elite athleticism you know lesser players have been pushed ahead of them in the draft certainly in terms of 2020 first round 
they could move in and take those spots from Swift and Gibson if the rookies aren't healthy. And it does give a sense that we do still have some depth at the running back position. It's not that everybody has disappeared, that a, a hole is completely blown uh, in the side of this running back ship. Colin, looking at the top six or the top sort of four or five here, my projection for 2020 is that we're going to start McCaffrey, Kamara, Barkley, Cook. Four running backs to start. I don't think that there's a strong argument against any of those guys. At the same time, Devontae Adams with this monster season he's actually moved into that range where he's scoring like a high-end running back right so when you're looking at the points players have scored over the last two or three years it's McCaffrey and then Adams joins that running back group if you're looking at players who have the ability to dominate a position who are locked into an elite offense who are just very clearly big time talents we have no talent questions at all now that may also be the case with Kamara Barkley, Cook, but Adams in there. I think he should go number two. I think Tyreek Hill now with the monster game he had in week 12, a little bit disappointing in week 13, where he had a touchdown that for whatever reason the officials and the Chiefs didn't see. He also had a second touchdown where there was a phantom holding penalty. The guy called for holding wasn't even really blocking the guy he was uh, charged with holding on there. Could have been another huge week, but Tyreek Hill's scoring over these last three years also moving into that high-end running back range what do you think that we're going to see in those top four to five picks next year do you think there's a chance that we'll get the wide receivers up in that range one of the interesting things and it's always you know a huge mistake to give a huge amount of importance to a single guy i mean antonio brown when he was rattling off these top seasons he did it for several seasons in a row he managed to stay healthy all of those things are things we wouldn't necessarily expect to happen with the next guy but wide receivers when they've been of the caliber to be picked in the top couple slots they've delivered top win rates more consistently and just simply better than the top running backs drafted in those range now it's not that the top running backs don't have individual seasons but you also have a bunch of landmine seasons in that you know one two three four range that hasn't been as much the case when there's a wide receiver that good now you can contrast that with Michael Thomas obviously having the season this year. But would you be tempted to take Adams and Hill if you had a top five redraft pick next season? I think when it gets to that stage, I think I'll be, I'll be tempted. I don't know if the consensus will be that way. I think we'll see it, as you mentioned, with those four running backs probably. And I think the fifth or the sixth pick is where people will start to consider that wide receiver. Um, you, I mentioned kind of that I think there might be two wide receivers in the top 12 next year, and I think they will be adams and hill um i think when you look at both their performances the consistency that both have shown uh, has been you know tremendous i think adams is probably more consistent you know with a, a weekly floor than we see with hill but hell has those weeks where it just you know if you're playing tyreek hill uh and you you don't have a big week and you play tyreek hill and he has his good days uh it can pretty much finish you finish you off so if you have him on your roster um, and the graphic you've shown on it he's finished 62 percent of the time as a wide receiver two or better uh, over the last three seasons when he has played 
Um, he, he's finished 42% as a wide receiver one. And, you know, we talked about last week, he had a 57.9 point game. He's had 42 point games, 39, 32, 43. You know, he's he's in the high 20s on most of those occasions into the 30s and 40s. Um, so he, he can do it. The thing as well is he's tied to Patrick Mahomes, who can pretty much has the perfect skill set for any player, but particularly Tyreek Hill and how he can be involved in the offense. As you mentioned, some of those uh, scores this week also that could have been added that weren't added so it could have been a bigger week for him i think with adams the thing that's very interesting is we talk about you know people getting goal line carries running backs getting goal line carries basically the majority of the time the packers are inside the five yard line it's going to be some sort of a pass to Devonte adams uh, the way him and Aaron Rodgers can can manipulate the defense and the, the way that he can run routes off the line of scrimmage particularly against press coverage um I think he's the best in the NFL at that. So we see time and time again him score from inside the five-yard line off passes, and I think that's something that like not, not many wide receivers have that upside. Uh, what he's doing at the moment is pretty much a historical pace um, over, like he's missed three games this season, but over the, the games that he has played, um, it's just has just been phenomenal, um, averaging 26.5 PPR points per game, um, which over the last, basically 20 seasons is the best rate whether he keeps that up or not uh, is another thing his receiving touchdowns per game is 1.3 only bettered by randy moss in his season in 2007 with the patriots at 1.4 um just just across the board this like we'll see how it finishes off but ha- has the chance to go down as as one of the all-time seasons it's unfortunate that he did miss those uh, games that he missed through injury um because i think he would you know he he'd be on for some real all time numbers then, but I I would be very tempted, Sean, um, to do that, and that's me trying to remove any Packers bias that I have. I just think I just think what Adams is doing at the moment is incredible. Um, so I, I think that a lot of our guys at Rotoviz will be very tempted to take those guys in those kind of top four picks, but I think it's realistically pick five six where where that'll probably start to happen in terms of consensus picks uh, in the FFPC. Yeah, you mentioned Adams in the season he's on. Uh, pulling up the the numbers in the screener, it was crazy to see that he's ahead of the pace. Now, again, he missed those games, so it's not going to have you know quite the the pop at the end, which which is unfortunate. But averaging more points per game than Calvin Johnson in his follow up season to the nineteen hundred yard season, uh, which Johnson's best obviously in this stretch because he scored more touchdowns in the follow up season it's better than antonio brown's you know first of the two back-to-back 391 point seasons it's better than marvin harrison's season when he had 143 catches and it's better than like you mentioned randy moss's 1493 yard 23 touchdown explosion in his debut with the patriots so when you're ahead of those kinds of seasons it gives you a sense of of just how many points adams is scoring now in terms of what I projected, I don't think that we're going to see nearly the wide receiver enthusiasm that I think that we should have. But in my should-be draft for the 2021 redraft first round, I have seven wide receivers in it. I have some running backs at the top. Almost everybody agrees on those superstars, but I think it should be the wide receivers after that. Colin, you mentioned that you think there'll be at least two. What do you think the max number of wide receivers in that first round will realistically be? Oh, if I was saying max that I could, like, I don't think there'll be more than five. And I would say, I, I honestly think that if we were like really pushing it and everyone 
thinks that we need to go far more wide receiver heavy i'd be surprised if we get to four but i, I honestly think it'll be two to three and i, I think it's going to be closer to two it also means we, it also means that we can uh, gobble up all these guys in the second and third round where people continue to let them fall down yeah it, it's absolutely perfect and you know there are seasons where the running back heavy works a little bit better but it was interesting ben was sharing with me a draft that he had done sort of a mid-season draft and it looked much more like the drafts that we put out as what you, what you should do before the year starts right and if you go in and you look at my dynasty rankings on the site you're going to see those top running backs because you know christian mccaffrey alvin Kamara, dalvin cook saquon barkley those guys are legitimate absolute stars who not only are they freakish talents and a blast to watch you know a lot of fun to own and it should be fun right i mean you want to have fun guys on your team players you can root for on sunday and watch them make these ridiculous moves but they have that hybrid profile where they can score massive numbers of fantasy points and we want that but beyond that, you know, we don't want to take these risks on running backs who simply don't have the profile, don't have the path, still have the injury risk, and are really going to weigh down our lineup. And so you look after those top guys, and it's cool on the site. Mike Beers has done so many fantastic things with all the tools, but you can pull it up as a draft board. And, you know, after those top guys, it's just a sea of yellow is the color we currently have them with right now, but it's a sea of wide receivers, right? And, that really is going to be the strategy that allows you to build these dynasties long-term. It's slightly different, but similar in redraft. You might want to have a few more of the running backs littered in there. But one of the things that was interesting in pulling up the FFPC tools and making the contrast is that running backs were still being drafted very heavy and early in both formats. And that's not the direction that we want to go. Now, one of the things that, again, is fun is to go through here, project what you think is going to happen, say what you think should happen, and then continue to follow on and look at what the actual ADP is. I talked about how in my live uh, mock during the NFL draft, where I was projecting what I thought the 2020 rookie drafts would be, that I ended up being, even in my sort of conservative projections where I tried to push the running backs up because I know that they'll go early, I still had the wide receivers much earlier than they ended up going. And to an extent, you know, that's, that's still a thing where it's a blind spot in terms of understanding how people are going to value the players. At the same time, the sort of conservative mock that I had there with the wide receivers, the wide receivers have turned out to be even much more valuable than where I had them, right? And so I think we're going to move in that direction where after a little bit of a backlash, after a little bit of a response, a reaction, you know, way too far in the direction of running backs, I think next season will be more balanced. We'll see more wide receivers early, but we don't know that for sure. And it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out and where the exploitable opportunities are next season. My guess and my prediction would be that even if we move back in the direction of wide receivers, there'll be a lot of exploitable picks at that position, as you just mentioned, and they will again be the thing that helps us win in 2021 yeah let's let's hope so anyway and as i mentioned at the start i would highly recommend uh, the listeners head on over and check out the article up on the site uh, if you haven't already signed up to rotaviz.com you can do so as a loyal podcast listener and get yourself a 10 percent discount you can add the code 2020 rv radio at checkout or go into rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information as always our show on thursday will feature some listener suggestions get your book uh 
get your book uh, suggestions in, your film or your TV show suggestions. Uh, even if it's just life suggestions, get them all in. Any questions for us, send them our way. You can do it at rotovizradio at gmail.com or you can do it at my Twitter feed, which is at Overtime Ireland. Um, and uh, make sure you're following me there as well on, on the old Twitter sphere. Um, my co-host, as always, has been Sean Siegel. My name is Colin Kelly. Uh, and you can join us, obviously, on our next show, which will come out on Thursday. Make sure you subscribed as well to the podcast. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.